Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the podcast and the YouTube channel. It is the NFL Divisional round of the playoffs. I am very excited. Personally, my team is playing this weekend, but we also have a four game, another nice four game, two days spanning across NFL DFS slate. Excited to break it down our final four game slate of the year. Until we get all the way back around into the preseason, we'll have a couple of showdown slates, a two-game slate for the conference championships next week, but I'm ex- very excited for you to be here, and before I go position by position with some rankings, some interests, I do just want to let you know that you can hit that subscribe button, and I appreciate it. I'm going to be doing a $50 giveaway. $50 giveaway if you hit the subscribe button and you hit the notification bell. You let me know down below in the comments, who is your favorite wide receiver play on the slate below $6,000? $50 giveaway to one person. I can only reach out if I see that you are a subscriber with the notification bell on, and I will be judging on that based on somebody randomly in the comments, and I will reach out to you with a winnings on PayPal, Venmo, whatever it might be. Thank you. I do appreciate that. That is a sponsored giveaway, so I do appreciate them as well. And then lastly, I just want to let you know that I do have Patreon-exclusive content for the NFL, PGA, and NBA currently. We will have more sports as they start to get back into the season, like the MLB potentially, as well as the WNBA. So be sure to check out that exclusive content where I have projections. I have a lot more of my podcast, live streams, uh, game-by-game notes, data sheets, a lot of different things. So check that out. This video is sponsored by Fantasy Draft. They're rake-free. Check out Fantasy Draft. I will link up down below their main event for this weekend. Great contest. It's usually 2x minimum cash, like 10 to 15% to first, and you're just getting no rake on these contests. You're going to spend 15 to 30% of your money, not when you enter it, because, well, then you would never, they would never, these sites would never get you, right? They are sort of, in a way, tricking you because they can continuously increase the rake without you understanding what that means. But pretty much what it means is in a 100-person contest, if you enter, if there's $100 total and it just say hypothetically for all the people entering, uh, sites like FanDuel, uh, FanDuel and DraftKings, they're going to take like 15% off the top. Historically, you're going to lose around 30% of your money to rake. So be sure to check out Fantasy Draft. I will hit the link down below in the description so you can go over there, sign up, check out their main event this weekend. Let's start off with quarterbacks, right? And I do actually, I added one thing this week. It is a rankings column. I won't do it for every position, but I'll do it for quarterback and running back because there's not a lot on the slate now. I don't do this usually in the in the middle of the year because there's like 20 quarterbacks. I'm not going to just rank them all on this. It's just too much, right? But today I will do that. Uh, wide receivers is a deep position. Tight ends is, is pretty much obvious for rankings. But um, for me, at least, uh, I will rank the quarterbacks and the running backs, as you can see right here. So starting with my number one ranked, and they are filtered this way, Deshaun Watson is my number one ranked quarterback. Pricing is a big reason why he jumps up to one. KC is 29th in pressure. It's huge for mobile quarterbacks for Watson. I love the fact that he's going to be trailing in this one on the road. Um, maybe not as much on the road, but when he's trailing historically in his splits, he usually scores more around six more fantasy points per game when he's playing from behind. Now he has the worst pass blocking advantage on the slate at minus 44%. That's gross, but this KC team does still rank 19th in coverage. They have been improving in that department, improving overall as a defense, especially at home. So those are all worrisome signs for Watson, but in a big game, uh, having to throw the ball probably 20 to 25% more times than normal here. So it just allows for more upside for fantasy points and the mobility on the ground. I'll take Watson number one overall. Number two, I'll go Mahomes on the opposite side of this game. Like he has a 29 implied team total. He is the nine point home favorite. Great pass blocking advantage of plus 27%. He's going to have all day to throw in this one as Houston just doesn't generate pressure. They're ranked 20th overall in pressure. They do have J.J. Watt back, so that should help that a little bit. But 24th in coverage for a guy who is now going to have all of his, well, hep, what, all of his weapons healthy 
all the way down to your McCall Harmons, who will play probably around 15, 20 snaps in this one. They're going to unleash everything to get to that NFC or that AFC Championships game. Uh, I really do like Patrick Mahomes. The only reason I don't like him as much as Watson, and it is very close for me. My projections are over on Patreon if you want to check them out. It is very close point per dollar wise. Watson edges him out, and it's really just because of the pricing. Lamar Jackson is number three for me, and this was difficult. He is by far my highest scoring. Well, not by far. Very close to Mahomes for my highest scoring projected quarterback. But when it comes to point per dollar, Rodgers and Russell Wilson are pretty close, but I'll take Lamar Jackson's upside in his ceiling of 30 to 35 fantasy points. The guy averaged over 80 yards per game on the ground this year. Tennessee is 27th in pressure rate in 17th in coverage. Lamar Jackson is going to have a positive 27% pass blocking advantage and a positive 22% run blocking advantage. It's just a great spot for a guy who Tennessee's defense is not great. They can maybe grind this one out and trim some of the possessions, which is another worrisome spot here. You have Tennessee probably wanting to play just like how Baltimore plays, run the ball 30 times, 35 times in the game, take away a possession from the other team. And if each team is going to do that, well, you might have like, an, I don't know, an extra one less possession per team in this one. And that's not great. So if Lamar Jackson doesn't have an extra drive in this game, maybe an extra drive and a half or two, how you're projecting it. That's going to hurt a lot when he's this highly priced. So that drops him down to number three for me. Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson in the same game, very similar price points. Rodgers $100 cheaper at $6,500. At home, this one is a four-point favorite. The spread is moving a little bit, but not a ton. Uh, look, it's it's a spot where these guys grade out very similar for me, and it's just a pick at this point. I will take Rodgers at home. Uh, Green Bay has the number four ranked pass blocking line in the entire league. Seattle ranks 30th with a lot of injuries to their pass rush as well, 30th in pass rush. It's an average secondary right now at 15th overall, and they're 28th in tackling. I'll take Rodgers with time in this one over Russell Wilson on the other side who should have no time at all it's protection that is a concern here green bay ranks fourth in pressure seattle trying lump offensive line ranks 30th overall it's just not a good spot for russell wilson at all now his weapons are great right when you factor in the wide receivers jacob hollister when you factor in the pass catching weapons he'll get john brown back for this one maybe malik turner it's a good spot but also, the pass rush is going to make the Packers secondary even better. The secondary is already pretty strong. Tremont Williams in the slot is going to get a lot of Tyler Lockett. He's allowed less than two receptions per game, and he also saw some all-pro um, votes. He has been fantastic this year. On the outside, you have Kevin King finally staying healthy. He'll see DK Metcalf because he's just more of the physical cornerback, bigger than Jair Alexander. When that happens, well, Kevin King has been fine this year in those types of matchups. You can go back and look at some matchups like Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson. He's been very good in this matchup, uh, so it's going to hurt DK Metcalf. And then if Tyler Lockett wants to move to outside of the slot, he's going to get Jair Alexander, the Packers' best cornerback this year, who has had a down year at least midway through the year, but since then has been absolutely fantastic. So all the weapons, although good, are going to be in tough spots, and then you factor in the Packers' pass rush, hurts Russell Wilson. Jimmy G at 5,600, I do like. My concerns are, does he throw more than 30 times, more than 28 times in this one as a really big home favorite against Minnesota, who you can attack in their secondary. They won't have um, Mackenzie Alexander in this one, their star slot cornerback, so a very good spot for guys like Emmanuel Sanders, Kendrick Bourne running out of the slot. Overall, though, I'm not sure we have the over the, the biggest upside here. You saw what happened last week. Um, they played a strong zone defense, this Minnesota team, and a strong zone defense took away Breeze and Michael Thomas, and it was it was pretty fantastic. They do that again, although with one piece down now with Mackenzie Alexander out already ruled out, you do that again, and it's, it's much easier to take away Emmanuel Sanders and, and Debo Samuel than it was for Michael Thomas, right? So uh, I think that this is still a, a scary, difficult spot for Jimmy G. Not really a trap spot, but mainly for fantasy at 5,600. He's cheap enough to be in play, but I also think it could be he throws for 250 and two touchdowns and all these other guys outscoring by like six to 10 fantasy points, and he's just not needed. Kirk Cousins and Tannehill for me, ranked 7th and 8th, Tannehill last, just no interest there, Baltimore's top 5 secondary, they're going to try and run the ball 35 times again, Tannehill threw 15 times for like 72 yards in the last one, 
I honestly see something very similar happening again. Heading over to the running back page now, I only have it ranked up until my interest, because then after that, I don't really feel like parsing through my nose. Um, but Aaron Jones is my number one overall ranked running back. I believe he's probably going to be one of the more popular ones. It just makes sense at the price point. Uh, Seattle comes into this one ranked 18th against the run, 28th in tackling. And you can't be 28th in tackling when Aaron Jones is a top 10 tackle breaker and elusive runner in the entire league. He's top five. He's the first Packers running back, I believe, since 2003 to be top five overall in, in receiving grades for a running back. Jamal Williams finished if not fifth, right outside the top five. So they would have had two guys right there. A Green Bay ranked seventh in run blocking. Top five graded pass catcher, like I said. So you're going to get upside there. Jamal Williams is back. I'll project him for around 10 touches. I'm still going to project Aaron Jones for somewhere around 18 total touches, probably around two to three receptions, 15 to 16 carries. Really good spot at that price tag. Dalvin Cook will be number two for me, edging out Derrick Henry. San Fran ranks 11 first to run, much worse than they are. Number two overall against the coverage. It's still uh, in, in coverage. It's still a good run defense, but not nearly as good as their secondary. You saw Dalvin Cook last week in a game where they were leading. He ended up seeing five targets, caught three of them for 36 yards. That was very good. Ran a bunch of routes, mid-20s in routes, and they're going to be trailing in this one by a touchdown to 10 points. At least Vegas is predicting that. Well, maybe now you get six, seven, eight targets for Dalvin Cook. They were very keen to throwing to him uh, all season long, especially when they got down in trail you saw some games where you're seeing six seven targets five six catches it is a slightly negative run blocking advantage at minus six percent but in this one you're going to get around 24 opportunities if not 24 touches for the guy at 8,000 on a slate where you don't have that many options you have these three top end running backs and then it completely falls off a cliff Number three is Derrick Henry. It's a strong option against Baltimore. They're ranked 15th first run. Not fantastic. He's likely to see 25 plus carries. Exactly what happened last week. Feed him 30 plus times. That is your best chance of winning. It is another really stout secondary that you're probably not going to beat unless you just run the hell out of Derrick Henry. It's a positive run blocking advantage. I like him a lot. Um, I'm really, me putting him third is nothing against him. It's just getting a cheaper Aaron Jones, who I think has a similar upside, especially when you factor in that he just led the league in touchdowns. They like to run the, uh, in the red zone a ton, the Packers, and then Dalvin Cook at a similar price point. You can flip a coin with these guys. They grade out very similar. I'll take Dalvin Cook, though, in a neutral, similar matchup, but has more pass-catching upside. Derrick Henry, though, like I'm not shocked to see him go for 30 carries for 180 yards and another touchdown. He is going to be in a lot of my player pools. Honestly, starting all three of these guys is not a terrible idea. You're just probably going to be feeding for a lot of wide receiver value, and I'm going to get to wide receiver. There are some awesome options. Damian Williams is number four. Came very close to being number three for me, but Henry's upside in terms of workload is just too much. He might touch the ball twice as much as Damian Williams in this one, but McCoy's uncertainty. He was an inactive in week um, 16, a healthy scratch, and then in week 17, he was active, but didn't get a snap. So you like to see that for Damian Williams' upside. During those two games, Damian Williams touched the ball 35 times, had three scores and 256 total yards, a bunch of receptions. I think he had like 13 targets in those games. I'm projecting him in this one for 16 touches, but don't be shocked if it's somewhere around 18 or 20, depending on on what they do with LaShawn McCoy. Duke Williams is number five for me, or Duke Johnson is number five for me. Just six touches last week, and usually you'll see around eight to 10 for on a good week. And this week, they're going to be trailing by a decent margin. I think you see a lot more Duke Johnson on the field. I'm going to project him for 12 total touches in this one, which is huge at, four, which is huge at 4,700, especially if around four or five of those are receptions. Carlos Hyde is number six for me. Don't love him a ton. He probably sees 14 to 16 carries. He's going to get all the red zone work. Uh, so you're, you're banking on just a really bad run defense that ranks 29th in KC, uh, slightly improving, but still bad. You're banking on his red zone work here in a spot where he's just cheap at 5,000. 
Number seven is Jamal Williams. I'm projecting him for around 10 touches in a nice matchup against Seattle. He has the pass catching upside and he's cheap. Uh, he just edges out some of these other guys like Mark Ingram, who I just don't want to play at 6,700. Tennessee is top three in tackling, top three against the run. You get Mark Ingram, he'll probably see 15, 16 touches. Now, if he's going unowned completely, then yeah, get, in, get him in some GPP lineups. But for cash, and if you're just playing like one to five lineups or even playing a ton and you want to get your exposure set, I really don't like getting to Mark Ingram. And I imagine many people won't at that price tag. Raheem Mostart, I don't, I don't know why people are so happy about this guy. Uh, Kyle Shanahan one week said, oh, he's going to get the majority of the work. He's had 50 touch, 50% of the snaps and touches since then, which is literally like 10 to 11 to 12 touches in a game. It's not that fantastic for $5,800. I'd rather pay for Damian Williams, who I feel pretty secure about getting similar to a little bit more work and has better upside in his offense, in my opinion. Um, so I'm just not going to get there. The rest of these guys, Travis Homer does have or Homer does have a ton of pass catching upside. 21 routes ran last week, only one target, but 27 in week 17, and he had five targets. The issue for him is, well, he has no touchdown upside. So it's kind of a waste in this good matchup against Green Bay. Although although they're improving, it is a waste because he has no touchdown upside. I don't want to pay 5,100. And on the opposite side, Marshawn Lynch is so out of shape right now, does not look good. If he has 12 to 14 carries as a road underdog, I don't think he's going to do much with them. He had two catches last week, but none of them were on design routes. It was just kind of on a check down to him that he was just kind of standing around right he ran no routes last week so uh, it's not a good spot you're banking on two touchdowns for him and i'd rather just not bet on that let's get to wide receiver once again, please do hit the subscribe button. Check me out on Instagram as well. Um, I really do appreciate that. I post some exclusive content for Instagram followers only about once a week, maybe sometimes more. Uh, and it's just free stuff for my Patreon that you can get. So if you just follow me there, you can pop up some random stories of mine and that'll be on there. Uh, and yes, I'm going to be expanding Instagram. I have a little bit since the new year has started and definitely since the NFL season has started, I'm going to be doing it a little bit more moving forward. Wide receivers. Um, I don't have a ranking by them, but my number one wide receiver is Tyreek Hill. Look, he's the number one play versus Houston secondary and Gary and Conley, who ranks bottom five and bottom 10 in almost all categories. It's it's going to be a fantastic spot with a 29 implied team total. You have Houston secondary ranking right now, uh, bottom 10 in the entire league. Their pressure rate ranks very similarly as well. Good spot for Tyreek. My number two wide receiver option, if I had to pick one, probably Devonta Adams, all the way up at 7,800. He'll avoid Shaq Griffin, who is number five in pro football focuses cornerback grades. He will get to get on Trey Flowers, who has allowed 723 yards and two touchdowns in the regular season. I'm projecting Devontae Adams for 12 targets this week, which ties my projection for DeAndre Hopkins as the highest on the slate. Hopkins is very nice as well. 12 targets, another nice matchup. Probably sees a lot of Rashad Breeland mixed in with some Tredavious Ward and a safety over the top. You should hope to have Will Fuller in this one because it'll be more one-on-one opportunities for Hopkins instead of a ton of double teams the entire game and potentially triple teams and what that just means is both safeties know where Hopkins is. They're not both shadowing him on that side of the field, but a lot a lot less double teams if Fuller is out there because it's very hard to play one-on-one with Fuller. And if you do, you'll see what happened week five or six when Fuller went for the three touchdown game. You just can't guard him one-on-one for the most part of the game. Debo Samuel in a great spot. There is no uh, Alexander McKenzie in this one, or McKenzie Alexander in this one for Minnesota, their slot cornerback. Now, Debo's going to be on the outside, but that's where he's going to favor the best. Second best advantage on the slate against Xavier Rhodes. You have to love it. Will Fuller going to be back in this one, probably sees the opposite of whatever you get on DeAndre Hopkins. I think you'll probably see more Bashad Breeland on Hopkins and more Tredavious Ward on Fuller. He is expected to play, and at $5,000, he's going to see like a 20 to 25% target boost just because of how much they're going to have to throw in this one as nine-point road dogs do like Fuller a lot. My final yes is Sammy Watkins. He will have the best matchup in the slot that a slot cornerback can have this year against Vernon Hargraves, the former Tampa Bay Buck who was cut earlier in the year. And since then, their secondary has improved. Hint, hint, Vernon Hargraves is bad. So 
$4,300. I don't think it's fantastic. He probably sees five or six targets since moving to the slot literally after week one of the season. He has not had the same upside as guys on the outside like Robinson, like Hill, like McCole Hartman. Because you're working out of the slot, it's hard to get those bigger plays. But at 4300 in this matchup, it's hard to ignore with that team total. Now, some of my maybes, Emmanuel Sanders, he'll be in the slot for some of the game. Kendrick Bourne will be in there for some of it as well, maybe even more. But nice matchups against Mike Hughes when he goes in the slot. No Alexander, a backup slot cornerback. It's an okay spot. I do prefer his teammate who is cheaper with more upside, in my opinion, in Debo Samuel. DK Metcalf, price is coming up now, so I kind of avoid it. Like, I'd rather just get up to Hill and Hopkins and Adams. And if you're in this price range, just go down and then be able to get up at running back or tight end. So I might not get to his DK uh, as I did last week. He'll get Kevin King. It's a neutral matchup. His red zone role keeps him in play for me. He's just so physically dominating. The kid is getting better every single week. Adam Thielen is the Minnesota receiver I'd get to. I think he avoids um, the most of, and they probably do this out of scheming. You saw it last week as well. They put Thielen on the, the better cornerback matchup. So I think you get Diggs a lot more in Sherman, which isn't great. Thielen will also move into the slot a lot more than Diggs and have a better matchup. Tougher matchup against Kawan Williams, but a better matchup than the outside cornerbacks and the safeties of San Francisco. AJ Brown against Baltimore will get Jimmy Smith. Jimmy Smith has about 20 pounds in the next closest uh, cornerback in Marlon Humphrey and um, Marcus Peters for Baltimore. And you still have AJ Brown with 20 pounds on Jimmy Smith. When he goes up against potentially Peters in this one, he'll have almost 40 pounds on him. It is a dominating matchup. The problem is the secondary is so good. It rivals New England secondary, believe it or not. It is that good, especially when you have Earl Thomas all the way back there in the safeties unit. So it is a very tough matchup for Metcalf. His price is all the way down to 6K. So I have some tournament appeal and some tournament interest. But you saw it last week, like Tannehill in a good matchup or a tough matchup against him. And with the game plan being to run the ball through 15 times for 72 yards. He probably throws around 20 times in this one for like 120 yards. That's what this type of game is going to be. It's really tough to trust Metcalf unless he breaks a big one. Alan Lazard, if he becomes popular, keep an eye on this at 4,500. I don't want it. He's had 17 targets in the last two games, but Adam or Rogers has thrown 95 times in those two games, 50 and uh, 55 and 40. Like you're not going to get that. That just doesn't happen. That's pretty much Rogers pass attempts on average in three games this year. Uh, so split up those 17 targets amongst three games. And that would be more normal. You're getting about five or six targets per game now for Lazard as the number two wide receiver for the Packers in a fine matchup against Seattle. But the issue is if they're going to get Devonte Adams on Trey Flowers, which they will, because it's a better matchup. Lazard is going to end up being on Shaq Griffin. And that is a brutal matchup for the very inexperienced Alan Lazard. He might I'm not going to say a goose egg, but something around the lines of like two catches for 30 yards in that type of a matchup if he's on him a lot. If he becomes chalky at all, it's a very easy fade for me. And then Kendrick Bourne's the only other wide receiver I have interest in. He'll run 15 or 20 routes out of the slot against a backup slot cornerback. He's only 3,700. It's really just a pricing play. And no, right right now I don't have as much interest in Lockett. It's just me taking a stance somewhere. Lockett and Diggs. Diggs in a really tough matchup. Sees a lot of Sherman here. I in the Early in the week, I had more interest in Hollywood Brown. Um, but at 4,400, in his last five games, 11 catches, 65 yards, and a touchdown. Brutal. I think there's some sort of injury going on there. Kenny Stills prices up to 4,800. And with Fuller coming back, he's just way too expensive for a slot wide receiver role on this type of a slate. I'm not going to get there. Finishing up with tight ends now. I don't have rankings in here, but they're all very much grouped together. I have four yeses. I have one maybe. The four yeses are guys that I want to get to, depending on my lineups, is where I'll get to them. Kelsey and Kittle at the top are 1A and 1B. If I had to prioritize it, I'd probably put Kittle there. I think he's the number one tight end in the entire league. Best complete tight end without a doubt when you factor in blocking. I'm projecting him for eight targets. I'm projecting Kelsey for somewhere around eight as well. Both of these guys are fine. Kittle's $200 cheaper. Probably has the better matchup in the middle of the field. 
Um, well, actually, uh, Kelsey has a better matchup in the middle of the field is what I was going to say. Kittle's going to get Anthony Harris, who's one of the better safeties, led the league in interceptions, was fantastic last week as well. I think he got a pick last week. Um, Kittle is where I will preferably go just because he's more factored into his offense, doesn't have a Tyree kill around him, especially when you get into the red zone. So they're both great. Like when I'm talking about these guys, I'm if I out of 100% sample pool, I'm probably going to have somewhere around like 30% to 40% of Kittle, 30% to 40% of Kelsey. Like these guys are 1A, 1B for me. Mark Andrews and Hollister are my next best options, and they will factor out most of my exposure. Andrews is the number one matchup on the weekend, according to Pro Football Focus, and a decent discount against this 25th ranked secondary, well, 27th ranked secondary now. And Jacob Hollister at $4,000, don't sleep on this. Uh, He's running a ton of routes since Josh Gordon has been out. Didn't do much last week, but just didn't have to. Like they they got into a situation where they were just run blocking a lot because they had a lead and they knew Josh McCown was in, and it was was pretty much, that was it, right? Uh, Eagles defense played well. Um, and Jacob Hollister was on the line a lot. But the Packers have struggled against any type of tight end that they've played this year. Any type of tight end, whether you're old, whether you're young and elite, uh, whether you're brand new to the league like Keenan Smith and you're not doing much. Uh, this is a really good spot for Jacob Hollister at $4,000. Do not sleep on him. The only other interest I have would be like maybe Kyle Rudolph, a decent matchup in the middle of the field, to try and get more targets his way. He had five or six last week, caught the game and touchdown at the end. He had four uh, targets in regulation, which isn't great, um, but he will get some red zone work. And again, like tough matchups on the outside for the receivers. Middle of the field has no Alexander now. Maybe you see a little bit more targets his way, but just find the extra 600 and get to Jacob Hollister. So that's where Matt. Those are my position by position breakdowns. I do appreciate you tuning in. You can check out my Patreon exclusive content as well. Check out the main event contest over on Fantasy Draft. It is linked up down below in the description. Patreon exclusive content down below as well as hitting that little eye above my head somewhere, the white one. You can check out what's over there. And be sure to enter the contest for $50. $50. Who is your favorite wide receiver below 6K? Must be a subscriber. Hit the subscribe button on the audio version as well. Must be a subscriber on YouTube with the notification bell turned on to get entered into that contest. I'll pick a winner next Monday. So thank you so much for tuning in. You all rock. Subscribe button before you go. Enter that contest. Do all those things. Follow me on my social medias. Peace out, gang. Have a great rest of your day. See ya. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you could please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.